All right. Hey, everyone. It's Brian Porter, and welcome to Tonecast number 59. Today, we're going to be talking with a friend of mine, Eddie Heinzelman, who is a Nashville guitarist. We'll get to that conversation in a minute. I do want to start off with a bit of an apology, though. Uh, we had some issues with Tonecast 58 that we recorded last re- week with um, Rob Ridgway. Apparently, in the upload, something happened and it died about the 16-minute mark. Um, we had someone from the NAM uh, organization that actually pointed it out, which was mildly embarrassing, but uh, that should be fixed on our Podbean page. If you go to the Tonecast page under the community tab at porterpickups.com, you should be able to catch the rest of that interview. I'm thankful for those who have, had pointed that out. Um, there was some sort of upload issue where we we tested it. It was fine in the preview mode, and then when it uploaded, the audio got killed. So along with everything else this year, uh, something broke with the podcast, and so we apologize for that. should be all good to go now. Um, maybe not fixed on iTunes. I think there's got to be some sort of little upload process for that. So just be aware of that if you're looking for it, if you... If you do listen on iTunes and it's still not working on halfway through episode 58, go to our Tonecast page and you should be able to hear the whole interview that we had with Rob last week. So as we're sitting here in the early part of July, I just wanted to give a little shop update for us. Um, Again, we're going to be having Eddie on the show today. We're excited about that. Really going to be pushing the interviews hard. One of the goals of this podcast is to continue the conversations during this crazy time. And so each week we're going to have a different uh, interview with someone in the industry and just kind of get their perspective and their insights and just how they're walking through it. So we're we're talking to someone who's uh, on the ground, if you will, in Nashville today, which is going to be a great, uh, just a great resource, um, a lot of wide-ranging topics in this conversation, but I think you'll really enjoy it. For us in the summer, we're, uh, we're working on some new stuff this fall. Uh, we realize the industry has been been very changed and very altered, and we're, we're trying to adapt and we're trying to adjust, and um, we're looking forward to sharing with you kind of the things that are in our heads and the things that we're chasing down. Um, for right now, I can't give a lot of details, but we are opening up some new avenues and new price points in, in different products, things like that. So we're, we're exploring all sorts of different angles um, to serve our customers better and to um, continue to inspire people to play more guitar. I also want to mention, too, before this interview that... Uh, If you haven't yet, please go to our website, uh, sign up for our newsletter because we've got a lot of great content that's coming through on the newsletter. If you sign up for the newsletter, it should be a pop-up on the, uh, when you go to the website, just at porterpickups.com. You can also go to the contact page and there's this newsletter sign up down there. We'll send you a few emails just letting you know about us, about um, our company, kind of what makes us tick and talk a little bit about, um, you know, why we're in business and the purpose of why we're in business. So make sure you're on that newsletter because we also do frequently um, specials, new product announcements, and um, insider deals, that kind of stuff. So be you know be aware of that stuff if you're interested in following us, kind of in what we're what we're working on. Uh, we won't spam you with a whole bunch of stuff. We're just going to share who we are and and let you get to know us a little bit more uh, as a company. Okay, so let's jump into that conversation I had with Eddie Heinzelman. Here we go. All right, so we're here with Eddie Heinzelman. Eddie, how are you today? I'm good, Brian. How are you? Man, it's it's uh, it's a pretty good day so far. Other than uh, trying to laser some stuff this morning and it and it uh, trying to write our logo and it made it really fat and ugly looking. So, uh, <laughs> well, technolo- it's a <laughs> yeah, it's a super hot and sunny day down here in Nashville. So nice, yeah. Technology <laughs> problems, uh, like we were, I was talking about in the intro of the show, 
we had last week's guest and the the podcast when it uploaded it cut off halfway through. So we're we're shooting for this one not to do that. For some reason, we had that issue last last <laughs> podcast, but that's not relative to our uh, relative to our conversation. So I'm excited to have you on the show today. I think um, probably where we should start is just uh, let everyone know um, who you are and where you live and all that good stuff, and and we'll go from there. Yeah, just a little background. So I am uh, I'm a guitarist primarily. Uh, I live in Nashville, Tennessee, or just outside of Nashville, um, and I've been here for 20 odd years, 20 some odd years. Um, my, my main thing, um, for the past several years, I'm also a singer songwriter. I've, I've released a couple albums of my own, uh, solo projects recently. Um, so, you know, moved to Nashville to pursue songwriting and session playing and, you know, just like everything else, you got to have your hands in a little bit of everything. Um, the last seven, eight years now, I've been the, the primary guitarist and uh, road and tour manager for a country artist named Radney Foster. And um, I also sub with uh, and do those same things, guitar and road manage for Leroy Parnell um, when, when his regular guitar player is not available. And so uh, up until a few months ago, was staying relatively busy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then all of a sudden there were no concerts. And yeah, <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, I think one of the things that we've been trying to do is um, is bring people on from different walks of life in the industry and and just talk to them about um, you know obviously the big bad subject of the day, which is the virus and how it's affected the industry, but also just just getting to know people and where they're at and. And, you know, the positive spin on it would be just, you know, trying to trying to as collectively walk through um, everything together, you know, because we're all dealing with the same thing in different ways. You know, there's no there's no gigs and and guys like us sell to people. You know, we sell to like professional mus- musicians like yourself, but we also sell to the guys that, um, you know, have the garage band and they and they play maybe at their local bar a couple times a week. And that's their gig money and that's their spending money. And that doesn't exist either at this point. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's very strange for sure. Um, so, so you got a pretty diverse background. It sounds like at, at one point here recently was just, uh, you know, diversifying yourself and spreading out was kind of the, sounds like at least to me, is that kind of the goal that you, you kind of had for yourself? Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's been my goal all along was, um, was to be, because I really, again, when I moved to Nashville, it was about songwriting and about doing session work. And so my thought at the time of, of all of that was I needed to be as versatile as possible. And so over the years, uh, doing that musically has also then led into doing that in other aspects of, of my career. You know, so like I said, I um, when I, I've the adaptation for what's going on right now is something that a lot of musicians uh, I know I have, you know, have done over the years. So as, for example, as studio work slows down, you, uh, you know, you go out on the road and, and tour more as touring slows down, you, you know, come back home and maybe you teach a little bit more or you do some other things. And so, that's what I mean, you know, my dad used to say, he always had a saying when I was growing up, don't get too many irons in the fire you know, and don't spread yourself too thin. And what I've come to realize in, in the music business is you have to have, you know, irons in every fire, 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> at least one, yeah, at least one. And you need to have an A, B, and C plan within each of those, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And 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 so that actually has led me to you know one of my current endeavors, uh, which is uh, I just opened up a repair shop in Nashville as well. Um, because again, over the last couple of years touring with Radney and Leroy and doing things, I thought, well, um, as long, along with road management, tour management, you know, guitar work, if I could up my guitar tech skills and resume, um, then that makes me, you know, more marketable there as well. If anything were to happen tour wise or, or something, I might get picked up and, you know, get hired as a guitar tech with somebody and the fact that I can also road manage and, you know, do other things. Um, and then, you know, yeah, COVID hit in, in March <laughs> and, and that's become my new, you know, my new thing at the moment. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's interesting. So talk to me about maybe about that initial, so the, it's called one louder guitar service. Is that correct? That's right. That's right. Yeah. So, so talk to me about that idea, and then how the idea uh, came to be almost as the as the place was shut down, basically, right? Right. Because it, it, it was like, okay, here's my here's my new project and my new little dream, and and then all of a sudden that happened. So, so kind of, uh, I mean, it sounded like you you mentioned maybe it's a versatility thing again. It's like something that that you can lean on. But uh, talk to me maybe about the initial idea, and then. Um, kind of maybe that uh, that blow that you took when uh, when it uh, was supposed to start. Oh sure, sure. Well, that that was the initial idea. So, um, like I said, I've I've been touring with Radney for eight years, and this year, 2020, um, was slowing down just a little bit. Anyway, um, we had been doing 80 to 100 shows a year for the last few years, and um, and so. Radney's a, you know, he's a hit songwriter and an artist and, uh, he's an author and, and has a same thing. He has all these different things going on. He's in the process of writing a screenplay and, um, and trying to finish a, a novel, you know? So, so there were other factors that were, were, you know, we weren't going to be playing a hundred gigs this year to begin with, you know? So I thought, well, if things are slowing down a little bit, you know, I will, Again, I'll, I'll kind of put myself out there to fill in the gaps, you know, still go out with with Radney and Leroy. And, and then if there's somebody else I can I can kind of fill the holes with. Um, and then this opportunity came up at the beginning of the year. A, a buddy of mine had a space in Nashville. Um, and so we talked about it and I said, you know what, that actually would be a cool thing, too, if I could open up a, a shop and. Um, and do that, do repairs and tech work and then, you know, and then go out on the road when I need to, you know, that might actually be kind of cool. Cause then I could stay home a little bit more, um, you know, so there are all these different factors. So what ended up really happening was, um, the, the twist on all of this, my business license, uh, on March 18th. And March 21st, the mayor shut down Nashville. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and so, so I didn't actually even get the doors open uh, before uh, you know, the, everything got shut down. And so uh, that kind of shuttered you know, the end of March and April. Um, I wasn't really allowed to open. Um, 
and then what I, so what I did was I kind of the beginning of May, I sort of did a soft opening. I didn't really, you know, uh, do store hours. I, I would do things by appointment and people could just drop off. Cause the one thing about our, our facility is I'm really the only person, you know, in that part of the building for the most part, um, during this shutdown. And so I was like, you know, I can have you drop off at the, at the curb, at the front door. You never have to come in the building. Um, I can be in the building and it's, you know, it worked out pretty well through, through the end of May. Um, and, and June was, was pretty decent. Um, and now Nashville has spiked again and, and we've gone back into what was originally our phase two, um, of reopening. So, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. Yeah, it's like this all this series of um, ups and downs for the last couple of months, right? You kind of like, you know, what does it look like when your business is called non-essential or deemed non-essential? What does that What does that mean? You know, I I think paying my bills and feeding my kids is pretty essential. Yeah, uh, yeah, know, that's that's and, my my opinion on the subject at least. Oh, exactly. You know? um, well, and and one of the things I think that that sort of helps me is I it's I'm not a uh, like a showroom music store. Right. So I don't have I don't have guitars and amps and things for customers to like a retail thing where customers will come in and sit and like a guitar center and play for hours. And, you know, where I'd have to worry about capacity as well. Um, I do some retail, um, but it's primary focused on on things for repairs, you know, so I'll sell I sell some pedals and, you know, some consignment stuff here and there. But it's like I said, I think that's the other reason I can be open now um, and not have to worry about the capacity of the of the retail business, you know. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of the silver lining, I guess. Right. Because you're, you're able to still function. And, and similar to us as we we have a showroom, but we basically have closed that other than appointments. And we're we're just keeping our distance and working back in the back in the back and there's plenty of room to to make the pickups and the guitars and and so it's it's uh you know we still had to make the choice when first everything first hit we had kind of this um weird um shift that we came up with where one person was working at a time and and they would clean and uh it it was kind of crazy uh, but we made it we made it happen and we're somewhat normal i guess uh, you know it, it, like in your case we we do rely a lot on the online direct sales and so that's been that's been nice because obviously you don't have to have people coming into the shop and you're just shipping the the product around the country. And, and so that's been for us, that's been our adaptation a little bit weird in the sense of there was, uh, there would be drop-ins every week, just people finding out about us or needing something done. And, um, that's really slowed down just because I think there's, there's a segment of people who don't just don't want to go out, um, to begin with, you know, Oh, sure. Sure. Well, and, and that's, yeah, absolutely. That's the other thing I, what you're saying is I'm doing mostly stuff by appointment. You know, there, there are days where I'm in the shop, but I still kind of ask people, you know, Hey, what time are you going to come by so I can plan for it? And, and, um, and, and you're, you're right. I mean, the other side of this is Nashville just kind of got back rolling again with, with some of the bars downtown being open and people performing again. So there through the month of March and April, nobody was performing at all and so there wasn't really much of a uh, it was a great time for people to get their stuff worked on but nobody was making money to pay for it 
you know, yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, and we're, and we're still in this, in that little bit of a cycle in that I've got people going, Hey, as soon as things get rolling again, I'll bring something to you. Um, I've got a buddy I've done a few guitars for, he, he, uh, he tours, he plays in, uh, Poco and the, the Southern rock band and or country rock band. And it, you know, same thing. I'm like, you know, we've been friends for a really long time and I'm like, just, just bring me your guitars, man. You know, I know that, I know that you're good for it. I know that we're, you know, that times are tough, you know, <laughs> uh, just, just I'll work on them while you're off the road and, and things are, you know, and then we'll get you ready. And, and, and that's what I'm telling people too, is that, you know, let's, let's do this and get it ready so that when it kicks up again, you know, you can, you can hit the stage or, or what you need and, and get going. Yeah. So, so as, as you've talked to some of the fellow musicians in Nashville, what's the, what's the pulse like, uh, between, you know, the musicians of different levels in Nashville? I know that a few people I've talked to are, are, uh, you know, varying levels of, of comfort and optimism and, and everything in between. So kind of what, what, what do you think is kind of the general vibe of, uh, where everyone's at mentally right now? You know, it, it, it is a wide swath um, because same thing. You've got you've got players who are you know uh, playing downtown, going you know I I've got to make money and and I'm going to play. Um, the a lot of the studio guys, you know, the studios are taking precautions. Um, I, I had a session here recently, and and everybody had to wear masks the whole time. Um, and then we 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 couldn't have more than uh, well. I think we had, you know, like five people in the entire studio at a time, you know, so, so we split the session up into multiple days, um, so that there, you know, wouldn't be, um, too many people, uh, so everybody could keep their distance. I mean, so, so there, and then there's the whole handful of, of, of folks that are like, you know, yeah, let's, let's let this settle down a little bit more before we make it worse, you know, uh, cause that's one of the things I think that we've seen is, um, people have gone out and, and they're eating restaurants and going to bars and everything. And then all of a sudden, you know, the, the numbers are, you know, started to increase again. And, um, so, so it's kind of that, that, and that's where I'm at at this point, I've got shows on the calendar now, uh, with Radney rescheduled from the spring to September. Um, and the question at this point is, you know, that's two months away. Are, are we actually going to be able to do those shows? Um, and it, and it, right now it, it's, it's the same situation we were in back in March and April going, well, let's, let's wait and see what happens over the next, you know, three weeks or four weeks, see if the, you know, things settle down a little bit more, if we can still keep those, those shows, you know, so who knows? Yeah. It's like that, uh, you know, you're, you're trying to plan for something that you can't really plan around, you know, in the, in the past you could be like, all right, we're going to, you know, for, this week is a great example. Summer Nam was supposed to be this week or the next week. And, right. Right. You know, it's like you would have made that plan. And, and in fact, you know, we went to the winter Nam show and they were, you know, the week after the winter Nam show, they're like, so, all right, all right. So you book in summer Nam, let's go, let's do this. And, and I'm like, well, I guess it's not happening, you know. And, right. <laughs> and just, it's interesting though because in, you know, in the past, you you plan out your year. You know, you know usually how many gigs you have in the, in a fall season or a summer season, and and now there's this like big giant hairy unknown beast in the room where it's like, well, you could be playing in the fall, but 
what happens if, you know, the town you're headed to has a spike or what happens, you know, if a band member gets it or a coworker in our case or, or whatever. And, and it's just all these, these scenarios that it's like, it's almost like you don't want to think about it, but you have to, Oh yeah. As you, yeah. you know, as you, as you deal with what it is and it's like, man, I, I know, uh, local venues here, they're, they're talking about, you know, no concerts, t- no major concerts, big concerts till next year. And, uh, that's, that's crazy to me just because I know that, you know, the, there's a lot of money in the music industry, but everything has to, everything has to be full. You know, the, the, the venues have to be full for everyone to make, make the money that needs to be made. And that's, that's what, what the thing that I'm, I'm very, uh, curious about, I guess is maybe curious is the wrong word, but I'm not sure how that's going to fit together even when it starts again. Right. Right. Well, that's the, you know, the, the, the challenge, uh, comes down to part, part of it is, uh, expenses and, and things like that safety on one side and then, you know, cost on the other, because if you have, um, a venue, like we play, uh, one of my favorite places that we play in Texas is green hall. Um, and it's, it's the oldest dance hall in Texas. Every, every artist, um, has played there, you know, from George Strait to Emmy Lou Harris and Delbert McClinton. And you, you just, the list goes on and on Merle Haggard, you know, and it's, so it's a historic place and it's, it's a lot of fun. It's, it's our chance to actually, it's like a rock concert, you know, it's, it's not people sitting in seats, they're standing shoulder to shoulder in a hundred degree heat, you know, when we play a show there and you go, well, that can't happen. Um, because they're going to, they're going to reduce their, um, the amount of their capacity. You know, we can't have 900 people in there like we normally do. (laughs) (laughs) We can have maybe a hundred and 150, you know, or 200 max. And, um, and then at that point you go, can you, can you actually take a band from Nashville, travel to Texas to play that show? You know, um, so so that's the other side of it too. And yeah, I I've said along with this, I've had several people that have asked me about performing. You know, again, hey, if you're not out with Radney, will you come and perform? I'm like, I don't necessarily. I'm not as concerned like flying to Texas myself, but once I'm there and you know, spend four or five days and performing and everything and then flying back. Am I going to, am I going to bring it back? Sure. You know, sure. and that's, that's what I'm, I'm not willing to risk yet. Yeah. And, and so as far as the, you know, do you think the solution maybe, I mean, this may be stretching here to ask you this, but do you think the solution is maybe the band plays multiple nights in a row or multiple sets with different audiences or, you know, less people I'm not sure. I'm just trying to think of the the numbers and how how that all fits together. Well, that's that's the thing. I think that's what everybody's got to figure out. You know, I know a, I know a venue down in uh, in Houston that is um, it's it's more well. I mean, they do full band shows, but it's a lot of times we do acoustic kind of singer songwriter stuff, and it's a it's a restaurant. You know, so people when they buy a ticket for the show it's um it's a ticket for the show and then they they order dinner you know that's the expectation and everything and um what they had been doing to social distance is they're like hey if you want to come to this show uh you got to buy a whole table right 
Gotcha. So, okay. so in that case, you know, you used to be able to buy, hey, I just want one ticket. And they go, well, you, you have to buy the four top if you want to come to the show. And uh, that way they keep, they keep the money where it needs to be. And then they can social distance. Now, of course, gotcha. that means it's a little, it can potentially be more expensive if you're trying to do that by yourself versus if you take, you know, three friends with you and you all split it, which then it would be a normal ticket, right? Yeah, right. So I, I think that's the thing right now is that uh, people have to try, to try to figure out what the balance is and how, how to do things differently. Um, that's the shift that we've that we all face. We have to try to figure out how to do things a little bit differently than we've been accustomed to doing them for the past, you know, 20 years. And, uh, to try to find a way to, uh, like you said, to, uh, to accommodate, well, you know, can we do multiple shows and, and make it work out? And, and, and yeah, so instead of doing 900 people in one night, we do, you know, 200 people for three nights. And it still or still works, you know, or something like that. Um, and that's a that's a mindset shift too that I think a lot of people you know have to have to go through because they're not used to thinking like that. Yeah, usually it's just like let's pack it in and see, you know, capacity is a thousand, but let's see if we can get you know fifty extra people in there. Right, just, right. just just because, right? <laughs> right, usually, right. And I, you know, I'm, you I'm you curious sell all about the seats, and then, then you've got standing room in the back. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. And I'm like, that doesn't even standing room won't even exist anymore. Potentially, you know, it's kind yeah, of like yeah. I remember that being like a like a thing. You watch like a like a Dallas Cowboys game, and they and they sell seats for people to sit, you know, in the corner of the stadium where you can't even see the field. Yeah, like, right. that's cool. That sounds like real, like a real fun time to me, but <laughs> I don't know. The other thing too, I was curious about is what about the, you know, jokingly, but what about the mosh pits? You know, what is a, what is a mosh pit going to look like at the metal concert <laughs> with social distancing? You know, yeah. that seems like the crowd surfing thing could be uh, pretty dangerous at that point, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like you have to have some buff dudes to pass someone you know, six feet by yourself to the next guy. <laughs> you know? So I don't know all these things like, man, you just think about even the little things like that. You're like, wait a minute, how would that even happen? I, I don't know. You know, yeah, yeah. do we have to, you know, do you have to stand there if the band's just really rocking? It's like, you know, don't dance too close to the next guy or, you know, whatever it might be, you know, don't, don't headbang. Right. And, you know, I'm not sure it seems yep. it, it seems very tricky as we all try to figure this out. Um, so I want to switch gears a little bit, talk a little bit about gear, if you want to talk about guitar gear, if that's sure. okay. Yeah. I mean, you, like, it's kind of like the the guitar players, we kind of have to nerd out over gear because that's what we would do. <laughs> that's what we would be doing anyways if we were going out for coffee, right? We'd be that's, talking about yep. gear. That's what we do. So I want to start with, um, so you have a Keeley pedal. I do. I do. So, so tell me about that. Uh, tell me about the, uh, maybe the story behind that and, and then talk about what the pedal is. Sure. Sure. It's well, it, it started, uh, golly, probably three, three or almost four years ago. Um, uh, Keeley, Robert Keeley had introduced a pedal that he called, um, the hook reverb. And the idea with the hook was it was a tremolo pedal with a spring reverb. Um, and it was, 
it was really nice. Uh, he debuted it at Summer Nam here in Nashville a few years ago. Um, and one of the cool things was we, he and I were talking one day because I've, I've played Keeley pedals for, for several years. And we started talking about Lonnie Mack and, uh, Lonnie's a big, you know, hero of mine and from the same part of Indiana where I grew up and, and everything. And, um, so it was through that conversation that, um, that Robert developed a, uh, a vibrato effect to kind of simulate Lonnie's, um, vibrato sound that he got on his old magnetone amps. And so, um, then about fast forward two years and, and Robert came to me again and he was like, you know, what is it, if you could design a custom pedal, what would you want? And I said, well, you, you, you've mostly done it with the hook. Um, but if I could have all of my tremolos and, and reverb in one pedal, you know, that I use, I use, I use what's, you know, what's considered brown face, you know, the early sixties, uh, tremolo harmonic tremolo quite a bit. And, uh, I said, if we could add that and we could do this and if we could do this other thing. <laughs> 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 and so, uh, so I, uh, I was on tour with Radney and we were in Oklahoma and I said, Hey, can I come by the shop and just get a tour and say hi to the guys and, and everything? And, um, and that stop turned into spending four days at his shop. Wow. Um, and, uh, while we were, while we were touring around Oklahoma, I just kept going back to the shop each day. <laughs> and, uh, and then we came up with this, this idea of what, what we've called the verbo trim uh pedal and it's actually two pedals there's a small unit which is three different tremolos or well there's the uh early harmonic uh fender style tremolo and then there's the the late 60s uh uh tremolo and then there is the mac mode what we call mac mode which is the vibrato um all three of those on one pedal uh, and then you can choose between spring reverb or plate reverb. And again, that was because I usually use spring reverb on my amplifiers. Uh, but when I'm recording, especially playing acoustic guitar, I often use plate reverb on acoustics just to give them a little lift and a little little body. Um, so put all that into one pedal, call it the Verbo Trim. And then the next day at his shop while we were doing that, we got a little crazy and we did what we called the Verbo Trim Workstation which is eight different tremolo-based effects and eight different reverb effects. <laughs> wow. <laughs> All in one pedal. <laughs> yeah. Everything you could ever want in one. Exactly. So, and that was the idea. It's like this, the little one is for my live board and, and here is all of my tremolo and reverb stuff that I would ever need in the studio. Yeah. So do you, do you end up using a lot of the tremolo that would have been on an amp and replacing that amp essentially? Or how does that normally work in a in the live setting? You know, it, it really depends. One of the things that I found is, uh, oddly enough, a lot of the amplifiers, the tremolo sometimes doesn't go slow enough. Um, for example, I, I have um, the Fender reissue, the 68 Custom Deluxe Reverb, you know, kind of their silver face 68 
uh, reissues they did a few years ago. And, um, and playing with Radney, that tremolo actually doesn't go slow enough for some of the songs we do. And so, uh, so I revert to the pedal instead of the amp to do that. Um, the amp tremolo sounds really sweet. It actually has a, a, a really nice throb to it. Um, but that's where, that's where the difference lies doing it with a pedal is I can go slower and I can go faster. Um, and then the, the workstation that we did, we, we put in what we call a morph knob and the morph knob actually changes different parameters on every single effect. So again, with an amp tremolo, it's just on or off slow or fast. And with, with the pedal, we can like with a harmonic tremolo, we can actually change where the LFO is, um, where the frequency is of that kind of phased sound. And so you can get a very vintage type sound, or you can almost get a univibe uh, style sweep with it by adjusting that morph knob. That's cool. So, so how did it come about? I mean, it was kind of your he approached you with a question. How did it come about that your name actually got on the pedal? Uh, that, that was, <laughs> I think it was just that it was just the three, three days of, of, he's uh, like, finally, I got to get this guy out of here. I'll just agree yeah. to put his, put his name on the pedal. And, <laughs> right. So he'll leave <laughs> and I can get back to work. Right? Yeah. If I put your name on this, will you go away? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Cause I honestly, I didn't, you know, he was like, uh, what, you know, what kind of custom pedal would you want? And I was like, this would be, this would be perfect for me. And, and then it was, um, it was a couple weeks later that, um, he, he did the graphic and, and, and put my logo on it just, you know, cause it was a custom pedal. And then they, they basically went back or he went back with, with everybody and was like, you know what, this actually could fit in our line of pedals um, and, and be something that we don't really have, you know, and, and, and he's got all kinds of other pedals. He's got, you know, uh, delay workstations and, and modulation workstations and things like that. And he was like this, you know, and, and specifically something that, you know, again, I'm, I'm more of a country Americana, you know, Southern rock sort of player. Um, and it was like, I, I think this kind of fits in this niche somewhere and uh and that's when we d- decided to to do it as an actual signature pedal that's cool yeah that's awesome so that's been out uh, for a couple years it's been out a couple years now yeah cool and then uh people can find it through the keely website if they're curious about that pedal yep yep it's on okay. the keely website it's on my website uh and then your local keely dealer nice nice and so it, i guess since you mentioned your website uh, where would people find you uh, on the web? Well, uh, my, my primary website is eddieheinzelman.com. Uh, you can also go to onelouderguitarservice.com. And you can go to cousineddiemusic.com. Nice. <laughs> so any one of those. We'll put those any in the... Any one of those uh, three. They all take you to the same website, actually. <laughs> nice. Okay, cool. Yeah, we'll put some, some of those in the link to in the show notes for people to find as well. Oh, great. As, they, as they go through there. All right, so we got to talk uh, pickups now. Um, I think it's been a couple years or so since you put some uh, some of our pickups in. Uh, yes. What, which ones do you have? And then maybe talk about uh, uh, what you know 
I know you have a couple different kinds and one guitar. Right, right. So I, what I've been looking for, what I've been doing lately, you know, again, my background being country Americana and, and that kind of stuff. Um, I, I just had this conversation with somebody yesterday. And I said, I'm used to playing sort of single coil, you know, tellies and strats and, and that kind of thing for years. And then uh, humbucker guitars, right? Um, and the one thing I love about playing with Radney is, you know, if he plays his Telecaster, I'll play something with different pickup configurations. So I'll play a Les Paul or I'll play something with P90s. And when he plays a Les Paul with, you know, humbuckers, you know, I'll play a Tele or, you know, to get that tonal difference um, to complement and spread the, the range out, you know. But lately, over the last few years, I've really been playing p90s a lot more and what i really wanted was um to find a a a p90 that i could put in a telecaster style guitar and uh and so you know having met you online and through facebook and your website and everything and i saw that you know you offer the 9t i was like okay that looks like it's going to be exactly what i'm looking for um, and I, I believe, you know, I, I sent you an email saying, Hey, you know, what could I pair with this, um, in this particular guitar? And that's when you recommended the wide range humbucker. Mm-hmm. So I had you make me that set of an, a nine T with a wide range. And to this day, I, I, I think I've played that guitar for almost a couple of years now. And to this day, I don't know that there's a, a show that goes by that somebody doesn't ask me how I'm getting that tone that I'm getting. That's awesome. Yeah. And it's a, it, it's a G and L, right? It, it's yeah, a G. Yeah. Okay. So the humbucker yep. size neck and then the Telecaster bridge. And yeah, that's always, that's always sometimes the, the tricky pairing, right? Because you're, you know, you don't want to get a humbucker that's too powerful, but you want to be able to, you know, use all three positions as opposed to, you know, having one that just is, is bigger than the other. or One gets really weak when you switch over. Um, yeah, that's a good, that's a good pairing for sure. And and you also made a video of that. I think we have it on one of our product pages, but we'll we'll also link to that video uh, where you kind of go through the sounds of that uh, that guitar as well, which is pretty cool because then people can kind of hear that in action, if you will. Yeah, and I, I actually just used it yesterday on a session. Uh, somebody called me about uh, adding some slide guitar to a track, and and uh, and so that's the guitar I used so I could use those uh, that 9T. Nice. Yeah, that's and, awesome. Uh, yeah, and and then the you know I have another an, another G and L Blues Boy that uh, I I want to do something similar to because um, that's the thing too. Either either the guitar you know or I'm sorry either the pickups might be you know too powerful or something like that. In th- this particular case, my pickups a little dark, and so uh, I think we had talked about the putting a ricochet in that. Yeah, um, and then that also because that's going to be more of a slide guitar that'll add clarity and that'll be a different tonal palette than the wide range humbucker. And, uh, and then I, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm really heading in the P90 direction with, even with my solo material and stuff. And so I have a strat project I want, I'm building right now that I'm, uh, that I'm looking at getting your, uh, your strat nineties. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny about P nineties. I don't know if you've, you've found this, but I mean, obviously you're, you're kind of uh, on an obsession trip with these P90s, but 
Um, you know, pe- people either really love or hate P90s. I don't feel like there's a lot of middle ground with that. Has that been your experience? Well, yeah. I, well, and the, and the other side of it is I think there's a lot of um, this this topic we could go off, you know, on a tangent <laughs> yeah. for a long time. Yeah. But my feelings on this is that there's an there's a uh, there's a thought that to me that people think that what they've heard on these classic recordings are humbuckers mm. because they potentially see pictures of their favorite guitar player playing a humbucker guitar, right? And then you realize after you really dig into it, you go, actually, what's on that recording is a P90. Yeah, they're playing like Les Paul Juniors and stuff often, yeah. aren't they? Oh, yeah. Or, or, yeah, or the vintage, the old, you know, 50s Les Pauls that came with P90s, you know? Um, and then it, it, somebody did this the other day. They posted a video of uh, isolated track of Richie Blackmore. Um, I think it's um, Highway Star. Sorry, there's a truck going by. Oh, you're good. Apologize for that. <laughs> I had a fly buzzing me for like the first 10 minutes of the show, and I was just trying to figure out how to swat him without <laughs> slapping the microphone. So, <laughs> and it's, so I'm glad this, this is this, not on video. Let's just say yeah, that. I'm like flailing my arms around at the beginning. So this isolated Richie Blackmore track that's out on YouTube right now, I, I believe it's Highway Star. And, and all the comments you know, I see on Facebook, oh my gosh, man, listen to that Marshall cranked. And I'm like, that's a treble booster, man. Mm-hmm. You know, he's using, a, he's using a range master into that Marshall. So that's why that's his, you know. So it's like Paige using the tone bender into his Marshall. You know, it's not just his Les Paul straight into his Marshall amp, you know? So yeah. anyway, to circle that all back around, I think people kind of misunderstand P90s. <laughs> they they think they're they're single, you know, well, they're single coils, so they're not going to be heavy. They're not going to give me that rock sound I want, or they're noisy. That's what people always say. Yeah. Well, they're noisy. They're like the, weird, like the weird cousin, you know, that you're like... Do I really want to spend some time with it? Maybe they're cool. You never know, you know. But right, just... and and that was and that was my thing is that I had never honestly I had never really spent time playing P90s because again I'm I'm playing country and I'm playing you know Almond Brothers Southern Rock and 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 stuff where my guitar tone's a little cleaner and you know and then suddenly uh, these these last few years again especially kind of changing my setup and my style once i started going out on tour with radney um i was like there's a there's a thing about p90s that is really expressive and it can again if you if you understand how they work and how to manipulate them you can make them do all kinds of things and that's so that's what i love about them yeah they kind of have that little bit of a you know wild dog sort of thing right you gotta um you gotta tame it a little bit but it but it's pretty awesome when you i mean like especially with like fuzz or something like that if you just want to kill something with fuzz p90s are amazing with fuzz P90s and a fuzz pedal are yeah that and that's that's really what has done it for me and again i you know i don't play heavy fuzz stuff but i'm using fuzz as much as i can get away with these days in. <laughs> sneak it in there. Just, I do. Just I rip a giant fuzz solo. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> completely out of place, but doesn't matter. It's it's still yep, it's still fuzz. Yep. Yeah, 
And everyone's going to be like, that was the sweetest sounding thing, even though it didn't really work with the song. But it was cool. Nice right, work. right. <laughs> well, you know, yeah. by one example is there's a, there's a song in Radney's set. It's called Half of My Mistakes. And the, the original track was played by Waddy Wachtel. And, and Waddy just played his, his 60 Les Paul into a, uh, a Tweed Deluxe, like a you know, 57 Deluxe amp, cranked all the way up. So when you hear the guitar solo, it has that Tweed, you know, that little fuzziness, you know, that a, that a crank Tweed will give you. Um, that's the one so- solo in the entire show that I play note for note because uh, it's, it's just a perfect solo. And instead of doing kind of a, you know, a, a mock tweed sound or, or more overdrive, I kick in a fuzz. Nice. <laughs> nice. Nice. So what are you using for a fuzz pedal right now? Um, it, honestly, that depends on where I'm playing, if, if okay. it's hot outside or not. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, I, have, I have a couple, I have uh, a few fuzzes that I have a really tiny board that's cram-packed. And so I have uh, a, the Keeley Monterey, which is a uh, fuzz face style uh, silicon uh, fuzz. Um, but I also have a, uh, a custom uh, BMF fuzz, which is a fuzz face um, that I've been using a lot lately. And then, uh, you know, tone benders are really, cause page is, is my, my first real guitar hero. And so tone bender fuzz is really what, what I really like. Um, so I'll often run an extra fuzz off board, you know, just to, to have that available. Nice. So like a secret fuzz that's hiding somewhere that you can, yeah, you can crank on whenever and <laughs> no one can stop you. Right. Exactly. Yeah, nice. That seems like a smart plan. It really does. That's pretty awesome. Well, Eddie, thanks so much. It's been a blast to have you on the show. We're going to um, close it up here again. If you would, uh, wouldn't mind sharing the links to, to your website and then uh, also your guitar service again and, and uh, appreciate having you on today. Oh, thank you so much, Brian. Yeah, it's eddieheinzelman.com or cousineddymusic.com. And the shop is onelouderguitarservice.com. Awesome. Well, thanks so much. Yeah, and we'll put, again, we'll put all those links in there so people listening can find it. Thanks, uh, thanks for being on the show today. It was a uh, great, great chatting. I, th- I think we were going to finally chat in person next week with the NAM, Summer NAM show, but. Um, it, it's not, not going to happen. So at some point we will, uh, we'll hang out and talk gear and all that good stuff. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Thanks for being on. All right. So that was our interview with Eddie. I'd really appreciate him coming on the show and sharing his perspective. Hopefully you enjoyed that. Um, if you'd like to leave us some comments or feedback, you can head to that podcast page that we mentioned in the beginning. If you go to porterpickups.com, click on the community tab, Look down for the ToneCast link, and you will see past episodes. You'll also see a little form where you can suggest topics or send some feedback to the show. Maybe you have a guest that you'd like uh, like us to try to interview. If you're enjoying these interviews, uh, let us know. We'd love to have some feedback there. Appreciate you guys listening, and we'll catch you on the next show. <laughs>